Hello and welcome to HEC MBA Talks, the podcast where we talk about the different dimensions of the HEC MBA experience. Today's episode is all about career transitions to HEC MBA with a particular focus on the challenges and process of choosing the right career after MBA. I'm your host Chandrakala and we have two guests joining us today, Jackie from S21 cohort and Aparna from the J22 cohort. Both have completed their MBA studies and are in the process of a huge career transition post-MBA. Welcome to the show, Aparna and Jackie. Hi, Chandrakala. Thank you so much for having us here. We're very excited to be here. Yes, thank you for having me as well. It's so nice to be back on campus and see you this morning. Welcome back to the campus. Let's start with a brief introduction. Please tell our listeners about your background before MBA and where you're headed to after MBA. Um, so my name is Jackie Lane. I was born in Michigan in the United States, and I have a bit of an unconventional background. I, um, I studied at a liberal arts university, which means that my first degree um, was in architecture. Um, and I also have a double degree in art and media studies. So I started my, my first job. Um, was in commercial real estate, and I spent two years actually as special assistant to a co-president um, of an asset management company in New York City. And then I moved um, after about two years uh, to North Carolina, and I was doing more business development um, and uh, marketing work, um, a lot of event planning, a lot of uh, things along these lines. So my work really transitioned into uh, project management, and those are the skills I'm still using today. Um, today, I'm working uh, for a luxury company, a beauty company, um, and I'm in their sustainability department. So I'm still using marketing skills, communication skills, and project management skills um, just in a new space. Thank you, Jackie. Aparna? Sure. So I come from India. I was um, I moved around a lot when I was a child in India growing up. My parents were both working for the government. And then I became a lawyer, <laughs> which uh, w- was an interesting thing to do. I always wanted to become a lawyer. And then after I graduated from law school, I also decided to move towards corporate law, um, which I did for almost seven years in Mumbai. Uh, I worked with uh, literally the biggest law firm in India. Uh, and my life was exciting because uh, I was working with a lot of um, Indian and international clients and to be a corporate lawyer working in finance, which I used to do, it was really exciting. And, you know, specifically at this point in India's economic journey, because it was I was doing a lot of challenging work. I was doing a lot of project management in a very client service kind of industry. And then I came here for this MBA. And now I work currently with a very small Paris-based startup, uh, a climate tech startup that's interestingly working in agriculture and carbon credits. So for me, it's it's a little bit of a change from my last career, but to a large extent, um, a lot of you know how you do day-to-day work, whether it's project management, whether it's uh, overseeing a project, whether it's kind of servicing different stakeholders you work with. I still do think that a large part of my work is similar, and these are some of the transferable skills that I have brought along with me from my last career. Great. Although you could use the transferable skills from your pre-MBA experience, I'd say both of you have had a huge transition in terms of the industry. I think you could say that. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) for sure. So uh, what would you say were some of the biggest challenges you faced in this transition? We'll start from you, Aparna. Sure. So, I mean, I um, 
new that I kind of want to pivot towards a, a tech company mm-hmm. because I think it's very topical right now. And one of my biggest um, problems working as a corporate lawyer was that I felt it often gives you a sort of tunnel vision where you become really good at doing one kind of work in a very, very specific sector. But I wanted to broaden that experience. Uh, for me, one of my biggest challenge was um, not having prior experience in a field. And if you, f- for me, when I was in the process of interviewing with some of these, I was targeting startups specifically in France because, uh, and I did want to kind of work in an impact-based area. And like climate is 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 a very very topical topic in France. We have a lot of cutthroat climate change work happening in France. So for me, a big part of the challenge was convincing any company or any employer that I will be able to transition very quickly and become useful in a role uh, very fast. Uh, because I think whenever you transition and move from something you're doing and move to a different industry completely, um, they need to be convinced uh, that you will be valuable and they won't have to spend too much time training you. And I think that was one of my biggest challenges to sort of convince them that I will be able to uh, start on the job day one. Mm-hmm. What about you, Jackie? Yeah, no, I I can echo so much of what you're saying. I think... Um you know, I, I really focused on HEC as a jumping off point um, for the next step in my career. Um, I was very intentional about choosing this school. I knew I was pretty focused about where I wanted to be. Um, and then I got here on campus and I was just meeting so many different people and there were so many talks and lectures. It was it was a lot of noise and I had to be very intentional about focusing in um, and really committing to the career choice that I wanted to make because there are so many options and you can't do all of them Mm -hmm. at once. So you have to have a process for narrowing narrowing those down, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But I think, yeah, I knew I had transferable skills. I knew what I was capable of. And then making that into a story that makes sense to your employers who, you know, your recruiter has talked to 50 other people that day who have a similar education who you know, you have to you have to really know what you want to sell and what is unique about you and and finding that story um, and really, you know, having your story match what you really want and what you're really good at, I think, is a process. And I think it takes months and months and yeah. we're constantly building that story and building our experiences. So, yeah, I think it's a challenge commonly faced by MBA graduates who are transitioning into a new industry. So my next question would be, how did you overcome this? Do you have any special tactics that you would like to share? I think to a large extent, I'm still overcoming them. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think um, one of the first things that I am still trying to do is kind of identify what are my weak points today mm-hmm. and what I can do both in the near future and like like later on as well. How can I within like say three months or six months or maybe even a year Mm -hmm. what can i do to gain the skills that i don't have Mm -hmm. so for example in my case um i obviously i come from a corporate law background so i wasn't very i'm I'm still not very uh familiar with financial modeling Mm -hmm. and even though the mba does give you a little bit of those classes um i think it takes a lot of practice to become 
conversant with like the world of finance yeah. like actual hardcore finance mm-hmm. um for example my boss would uh, would would probably just come one day and he'd be like hey like you you you've done an mba would you happen to know how to help me um project my revenue for the next 3 mm-hmm. years for some investor mm-hmm. and i will be a little underconfident and nervous mm-hmm. about this and so i'll have to like do a lot more research i'll have to like figure out how to do something and i think a large part i'm still going through is to kind of figure out how i can quickly uh overcome some of these shortcomings so um i know that like the mba is giving a few crash courses i've already signed up for them i've asked a couple of my friends who on the weekend do help me out a little bit to show me or oh, this is how you can use excel for this and like you know just become a little more hands on um so those are some of those identifying my weak spots and then trying to either take short term courses or like do something on the side to make sure i can also like pivot from that i think that's a great approach what about you jackie for me once you have an mba or the selling point of your mba is that you can be a bit of an advisor like you have an opinion you have some experience mm-hmm. so you're not just saying something that you read in an article but you have talked to other people in the field you have been thinking about this for a while and you have like a an opinion on whatever the work it is that you're trying to do and in order to have that opinion you need to know like you need to know the topic you need to know what we're talking <laughs> yeah. about so i think um you know for me it was I need to have industry knowledge. I need to know the terms that we're using uh, in France, especially like you need to know the abbreviations mm-hmm. because no one is going to stop in a meeting and like explain it to you. Um so you you have to come in like having already done that research, confident in like your point of view on the world and somebody else could have a different point of view, but you you have this MBA, you have this experience and you have to own that and mm-hmm. it's kind of like on your manager or whatever, your CEO, whatever. to go out and source multiple opinions but you're supposed to be a voice like a real voice mm-hmm. um and so for me coming into a new industry trying to really have other people be confident that I have an opinion it mm-hmm. was like industry knowledge knowing the brands knowing the major players in my industry sometimes it's knowing names of like if you're just going to short like shorthand talk about um like a professional who's like really well known in the space like I need to be able to pick up on that in conversation and that happens to me often so i spent like the first i mean at the same time we're doing core classes i am building on my understanding of the industry and the like the career landscape mm-hmm. that was i spent a lot of time on that and then the the other piece um especially if you're going to try and work in another country in another language more important for me than language skills is cultural cues like the language is very important mm-hmm. but it's not about the grammar it's about like what what is expected when i come to my interview like how what is the expected behavior or um sort of like process for how this interaction is going to go and how am i a departure from the norm mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah. and then you can make a decision like no i'm actually i'm actively choosing to be different in this particular way mm-hmm. and understand how that's going to be met with surprise or like a little bit of resistance um but you can't just you can't just go into an interview or go into a meeting or like you can't just show up expecting that it's 
wherever you were before because Absolutely. it is not. Mm-hmm. It uh, it is different. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so those cultural cues, mm-hmm. I think, are just as important as um, your your background knowledge. Absolutely. I think like I completely echo that. It's mm-hmm. so important to kind of understand the work culture mm-hmm. that you are suddenly working in. Mm-hmm. And we all come from different countries and different work cultures. I think it's very important to put yourself like take a step back and try to really read. This is how people work here. This is how they go to lunch. This is how they interact with their colleagues. These are their day to day expectations. It's a very French thing to have lunch with your whole team, mm. which is crazy. It's, it's so... <laughs> you know mind-boggling for a lot of people that you kind of spend an hour with your with your team and you all either go out every day or, and every then you day go out after work for a drink for a drink and you kind of have to see what's happening around and like you you, you talk about what you did on the weekend or what you did which is often not work related mm. and coming from different work cultures it you i think the faster you adapt and you show respect for the way they operate here it's it's appreciated a lot. I would I would add to that um, when you're working in a new culture, it's important to understand. Like we're both working in France right now. France is very multicultural. There are, mm. are there are a lot of different people who live in France, and if you're gonna work with maybe your colleague is German, maybe your colleague is um, I don't know North African. Like you need to have some mm. frame of reference. You need yeah. to expect that if you just go in being like oh. French people are like this. Mm. There's a there's a lot of different French people mm. um, with a lot of different backgrounds, and I think the only way to really have a point of reference for that is that you have to get off campus. Mm-hmm. You have to go travel. Like, yeah. you got to yes. talk to someone who thinks differently from you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> As we've also briefly touched upon earlier, there is a certain expectation at the workplace. When you join as an MBA graduate, um, it's not the same as when you join as an undergrad in your first job fresh out of college. Can you please talk about how you navigate and manage the workplace expectations as you transitioned into your respective industries? So on this point, yes, when we leave undergrad and we start our first jobs, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of um, feeling like an intern in the beginning and everyone is more patient with you and people know that you're going to make mistakes and learn from those mistakes. Mm. Um, and to a large extent, you have to replicate that mm. when you leave an MBA and especially if you're moving to a new field that you have no knowledge about. And you're kind of trying to learn from scratch. Uh, but I think um, you all, I, I think it's a two-way process, especially now uh, after the MBA. One, you have to be really honest with your employer and, and, you know, just be honest. You have to tell that person or, or the team that while I'm doing this, um, this is new for me. So, like, do be patient with me. And I know that I'm older and I have an MBA. And so the expectation is that I come with some knowledge and, mm-hmm. as she was saying, an opinion and, like, a real business mindset and voice. But I'm also learning on the job. So, like, bear with me while I learn and I make mistakes and and at the same time, you have to be a little more patient with yourself because you're doing this at an older age. Mm-hmm. You, We've all worked at places where we'd kind of gone up the ladder a little bit. And you were at some point, instead of being a junior, you were leading a team or a project. And now suddenly you're back yeah. to kind of being at the bottom of the ladder yeah. and looking at this from a bottom perspective. So that whole process is a lot of, it also takes a lot of patience uh, with yourself mm-hmm. and kind of, um, you know, aligning yourself to the fact that your expectations 
also have to start from scratch mm. you have to be ready to kind of maybe not demand a really big paycheck you have to be ready to not uh demand seniority you have to be ready to learn again as well so that is also something that you have to be ready for mm. i yes i have felt a lot of that same frustration i think hec kids we are used to being superstars we're we're mm. smarties we yes. you know we know what to do mm. and um there's a bit of uh humility that's needed i think uh to do well um when starting a new job and being patient with yourself i think can be one of the most frustrating parts um absolutely at the same time y- you you have to like i would really recommend that you you advocate for yourself and mm-hmm. i i try to be really specific so i have this cadence with my manager um where we have like a regular check-in and i'm from the beginning i said Hey, this is what I know. You know, I know the luxury industry. I uh I know this particular, you know, I've had these particular experiences um in my previous industry. So this is what I know and I'm really good at. Mm-hmm. And this is what I don't know anything about. And these are the skills that I'm trying to build mm-hmm. during my time here. Mm-hmm. And let's have another check-in about those particular skills. And so it's really it boost confidence for you mm. uh when you do see that progress that you've made so my french language skills are a big one mm. it it's it's really heartening to say okay <laughs> i uh i can chat with my colleagues during lunch much more comfortably than i could you know uh three months ago mm. it's huge um and it also builds confidence with your manager to see like okay this person has the self-awareness to know what she needs to work on uh she you know has the organization and the commitment to actively work on those skills and that that is like a small way of building trust um and i've been able to like get bigger projects or more interesting projects that way so you got to you know rally for yourself you got to advocate you got to negotiate it's true maybe i'm not you know i'm not asking for the dream salary today but i do want it yes in yeah. a year's time what do i need to do to get there mm. yeah i completely we'll agree with this talk about that <laughs> Makes sense. Thanks for sharing both of you. Uh now let's talk about the process of choosing the right career path after an MBA. What steps did you guys take to figure out what you wanted to do and like how long did it take? Um I mean I can start in this but I I mean I think I'm still trying to figure out to be honest and I don't think um that a lot of people say this and it's probably true sometimes they say the first job out after an mba is not probably a dream job or it's not the final job and often it's a stepping stone to where you want to be and also like just something new that you want to try out something at at times and i think a lot of us go through that process and for me specifically um the things i did know uh in the first few months in the mba i kind of figured out where would i where, where do i want to be what are the few things that i would pr- probably want to try for example um the one thing i realized was i probably don't want to be in a hardcore finance job mm-hmm. one because i don't have the skills that they need and two because um it's not something that really interested me that much as well so i did kind of find out the sectors that that looked interesting for me uh so tech was one consulting was another and then i realized we're in france we're in europe and we're at this cusp of climate change mm-hmm. which got me very excited and i think to be in a place that that's doing so much for climate change is how i sort of gravitated towards 
understanding that there's a whole world out there that's working in climate change. There are companies and there are tech companies and there are finance companies which are all geared towards making climate finance, climate changes and all of those things. Mm -hmm. And I kind of figured that that's a space I want to be in. So the first thing I did was, of course, like, as, as Jackie said, like, make yourself a little more aware about the industry. Mm-hmm. Talk to people in your batch who've already worked in that. Take a little, do a little bit more reading. Make yourself familiar with the industry. And then um, try to also tailor your CV to make it more relevant to the industry that you're trying to be in. And then start doing research. So for me, this is one climate tech company that I am working with right now. But... The more I dip my fingers in this field, this looks exciting to me, this whole sector. Mm-hmm. And maybe in a year, I may shift to another company working in climate change and maybe another tech company working in this in this area. So I think it's 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 a slow step-by-step process mm-hmm. uh, where you often do a lot of things by elimination. You kind of remove things that don't you don't like and then focus more on things that interest you. And then once you uh, start building a little bit of experience in one field, one thing leads to another. Thanks for sharing that, Aparna. I think elimination is a great technique when you have a lot of options in front of you, which is the case once you come to the MBA program and you see all these opportunities in every sector. Um, Coming to you, Jackie, could you also share about your experience? Yes. um, No, it's it's fun that you're working in climate change. I'm also working in climate change um, and sustainability transformation, mostly because this is like when I was thinking about what I wanted to transition into um, and what I wanted to work on next, I wasn't thinking, okay, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? For me, it was really like, I'm doing an MBA. That's a big investment. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of energy. What am I still going to be excited about five years from now, 10 years from now? And based on timing, based on the fact that we're, you know, in the European Union right now, um, like working in, in climate change and transformation, like this, this is the time. It's a really exciting dynamic space. Yes. Um, and you you cannot be you cannot be bored. You know that it's moving forward. You know that the regulation is there and coming. Um, so it's a really um, good time. It's a good time. Mm-hmm. You you will learn so many skills um, just as a function of being in this space. And that's not to say that there's not. I mean, there's super interesting stuff happening in finance. There's super interesting stuff um, happening um, in, in the tech space in in so many industries, but. You want to pick something that makes you excited just to like learn about it and have a conversation mm-hmm. with it. If the only thing that's exciting to you about the work is like the salary or the lifestyle or the vacation schedule, you're going to have a really hard time. And we have the opportunity right now to like find something that we're really excited about or even like proud to mm-hmm. work in. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm proud to have had this on my resume as a part of my career, you know, fill in the blank. Um, I think that that feeling, you can really honor it and chase it. And like, I I think I would love to say that I was great at finance or that I that I had this like hard finance skill because um, that sounds cool. Um, but to actually do the work to build those hard finance skills is not is not making me jump out of bed in the morning. Mm-hmm. At this point, maybe that could change, you know? Yeah. Um, maybe, you know, when I'm, maybe 10 years from now, I'll I'll wanna be financially modeling 
All right. Um, my next question is around what resources or tools did you find most helpful during your job search and uh, what advice would you give to current students on how to effectively use these resources? Sure. So if we could start off talking a little bit about networking, I think networking is a skill that we really need to practice um, and it intimidates a lot of people. But when mm -hmm. you uh, when you practice it and you have kind of a strategy going in, I think it can make you a lot more comfortable. Um, my number one tip, if you are nervous in networking situations, go to these networking events um, or approach a recruiter with a friend, mm. do like a tag team. Mm. Um, so like if Aparna and I were gonna go talk to some recruiters, I'd say, okay, Aparna, what are three things that you want me uh, to focus on with this recruiter? Like, why do you think you'd be a good fit for this job? And then I would share, you know, maybe the, the three things for me or say, you know, I know this recruiter is for you, but I really wanna talk to this person and this company. And then I would go into this conversation and you know, Aparna would introduce herself. I would introduce myself, mm -hmm. and then I would, I would gas Aparna up. Like we would have a real conversation, yes. and I would say, you know, it's so great that you said that, uh, Aparna. You just did, you know, you just organized this great event, yeah. uh, you know, with the club you're a part of. Um, why don't you, can you tell them more about that? And mm -hmm. I'm just like reminding Aparna that she is qualified, that she is the bomb, you know, all these things. Mm -hmm. Um, and it just comes across so much more authentically. It, it's a part of a conversation yeah. rather than like an elevator pitch. Um, I have found that to be extremely successful. There, there have been a couple of students um, that I've kind of like tag team different recruiting events uh, with here at, at HEC. And I've done that for them and they've done that for me. And you come out of a conversation feeling like, wow, that went really well. <laughs> I completely agree. I think networking is something that if you're not used to especially business networking, then it takes some time to get used to it. Mm -hmm. And as she said, doing it as more less as an elevator pitch and more like just a casual conversation among people who've met from different careers, it's just more effective. Mm -hmm. And people don't get offended by it. Because if you just walk up to someone and be like, hey, you work at this place and like, can you help me get a job there? It just comes across as extremely selfish. And, and, and I think that's, uh, what a lot of people do when they network, but that's not effective for either party. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's just nice to go to a lot of the networking events. HEC has some MBA afterwards. It has so many events where companies come or the HEC alumni network, which is very useful. People show up from different parts of the world. And I think it's very useful to do it with a friend and a colleague where you both are just talking to prospective recruiters or like people from different companies about what you've done in the MBA and how you've done certain projects, you've worked in certain clubs, you've organized events, you've led teams, all of that. And just having that as part of a routine conversation is quite often more memorable than just doing straight out, can you tell me more about this company? I'd like to put in my CV and all of those things. And I think some of the things that this MBA does give to you, like you know, uh, a few opportunities where they bring companies on board. You have these events. We have a lot of events on campus. And I think it's useful to kind of choose the ones you really want to focus on mm -hmm. and then go there and meet, you know, people who come from different companies. And then, you know, add them on LinkedIn or like yes. keep a conversation going mm -hmm. for quite some time. Mm. And I think that's 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 something you learn slowly about networking and how to use it. Mm. So that's something we all learned, I guess. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, for me, uh, tapping into the HEC alumni network mm-hmm. is 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 a big thing. Mm-hmm. In France, if you come from HEC, it's a known name. And so it makes sense to kind of use it, mm-hmm. you know, find the people who are from who've done an HEC MBA and and help them get you, you know, give you more information on the industry, on where the jobs are, who's looking out for a s- specific person and all of those things. Other than that, of course, like during my MBA, I was trying to, you know, uh, find people and jobs on LinkedIn, on MBA Focus, on a few of the other career platforms. But I think for me, the HEC Alumni Network is a very good network to be part of. Mm-hmm. And we should use it more actively. That's great. I, I would add to that saying, you know, the network is not just your cohort. It's yes. other cohorts. Mm-hmm. It's uh, people who are a couple years out have recently graduated. It's people who are not working in the same region as you. They also know people in the industry and you have no idea who they know un- until you talk to them. Um, in terms of tools, um, I'll say a tool or a process. I think you really need to have a process for eliminating options, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a criteria for yourself. I have this great spreadsheet that I use that I kind of built um, based on companies that I want to research are companies that I've had the opportunity to speak to people from, and I think they'd be a really good fit. Mm-hmm. All the way down to I would never work for this company, and I like I have that all in the same place. So as these opportunities are coming up, I'm remembering. Oh, I really didn't like the conversation I had with, uh, you know, this recruiter or this department. Uh, yeah, this this opportunity looks nice, you know, uh, in the posting, but there's a reason why it's on my like don't go there list. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a a color coded spreadsheet that I use. I would mm-hmm. also say um, regular check ins with your career coach. Mm-hmm. People have varying degrees of success yeah. um, with their career coach, but I I liked the accountability again, like a cadence or the habit of checking in um, with the career coach is just as helpful for me as mm-hmm. like um, the tips or tricks that they give in those sessions. And the treks, if you are in an industry that has a trek, like really use that time. Mm-hmm. Um, focus focus on career during that time, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and uh, I have really been able to keep up connections I've made during the trek. Um, and they re- those people remember like meeting me mm-hmm. um, in that situation. So I think that's an extension of the alumni network. Could you talk a bit about how the HEC MBA has uh, helped you succeed in your current role? Is there any specific skill or knowledge that you gained during the program that has been particularly helpful? Um, so for me, um, a bunch of things, actually. Uh, I, I'm working with a startup mm-hmm. um, and a large part of the startup world is also uh, trying to understand who wants to invest in you, how the investment climate is, who are the VCs and how they operate and like, how do you, as a startup do you pitch yourself so for me a lot of tools in the mba do come handy a little bit of strategy you know like uh, when we were studying strategy um some of the most like basic things right like what what are the swot mm-hmm. what is the swot for a company or like when I, I took the finance specialization and so how do you look at a little bit of valuation or like what what is a vc looking for uh, what kind of return on investment is a VC looking to see when they're investing, say, in a seed company? 
and were some of the tools my startup is going through fundraising right now so often when my team you know needs some help i will try to like figure out what i learned in class <laughs> or like what 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 my professor said this is how this is a growth startup or like this is how we should position ourselves so some of those things that i picked up especially from my entrepreneurial finance class mm. or my strategy class i've kind of very subtly used in conversations in, in with the team and like just sitting across and being like yeah the market is is like this in 2023 and i think if we got this valuation this makes a lot of sense mm. uh so those are some of those things that have been helpful for me mm. at least so don't throw away your notes is to tip here <laughs> yeah or like just pay a little more attention because sometimes we kind of just brush it when when they're teaching us yeah. and then you realize oh shit i should have paid i should have paid attention when he was teaching me how to do startup valuation cuz definitely i've had moments where i've been like can i is it weird if i email that professor because <laughs> i really don't remember this concept and i need to <laughs> for sure i actually did email my Good professor back oh, and he did some help and then i just dropped him an email i was like i'm working with a startup and like i need to find a resource that helps me find this and so, uh, some of i mean because it's hc your professors do respond to you mm. and they like do try to help you out for sure for me it's the it's the macroeconomics mm. i think i've had a lot of conversations um you know i'm in a i'm in a beauty company so we look a lot at our sales mm. and we try to predict where the market is going what will happen next and there've certainly been conversations where people have said oh well i they they throw out this statistic and they say this means uh you know this means that xyz is going to happen and i say no that's actually a, a lagging indicator that's telling us something Ooh. that that happened in the past um what wow. i wonder what what this you know i wonder what the relevant statistic mm. uh, might tell us but, but really understanding um how data is used and misused mm. i think is is huge um and then also like uh, especially in climate work and transition work um we have to think a lot about um like internal incentives corporate incentives um and so we've had some different proposals or initiatives where it's been like okay well we want everyone to do this uh we'll offer i don't know i'm giving examples not specifics but we'll offer a bonus mm. and then we have a little you know we put our heads together and say okay but what is that actually incentivizing are people only going to do it for the money are we going to be able to offer this bonus like every quarter like these kinds of things mm. um so those are a couple those those make me feel like a real business girly we're almost at the end of our podcast so my final question is looking back on your career transition is there anything that you would have done differently what advice would you give to current mba students who are still figuring out their post graduation career plans a lot of this journey is personal so of course it it differs for me the one thing i wish i'd done way better earlier honestly is focus on my french speaking mm-hmm. skills i second this i second this so much like i don't understand why um i didn't work on it as early as i should i mean i think the day i, I realized i was coming to hcc mm-hmm. is when i should have started so that by the time i come to hcc i was already a little conversational mm-hmm. and then i should have used my mba year at perfecting my french skills as opposed to what i'm doing now which is like basically having to do it now mm-hmm. because right now in the workplace you are both trying to learn a new job mm, and trying to learn the intricacies of the language 
and it's it's a lot to do at the same time it's probably too much to do at the same time you Absolutely. need if people will say oh you can become fluent in french you know in two years no you can't not when you're also doing an mba no yeah it's true i know i said this was the last question but i have a follow-up question to your point about not learning French earlier, is it because you were not considering Paris or France as your primary job location after MBA or was there any other reason? One of my biggest problems, uh, and I think it's the same for everyone in the MBA, we're, we're always busy. Mm. Like we're always such busy people. And the idea for me for this MBA was to kind of take a break because I've been working intensely for almost seven years. Mm. But when I was in this MBA, I did almost everything that the MBA offered. I did the MBAT core team, I did the MBA council, I was part of like four or five clubs, I was organizing events and I was like partying as well nonstop, <laughs> which I thought is an, is, is an important aspect, you know, the social life and like being able to like go to these events and meet these people from like different countries and like drink with them and party with them is, is a very integral part of the MBA and I didn't want to miss out on that. Yeah. So I think I was just really busy mm. and really sleep deprived <laughs> a large part of the MBA life which I'm still sleep deprived same. and I think that's that's the one thing that kind of there's only that much time mm. so well you learn from your mistakes hopefully and I, I'm trying to learn where I'm trying to get more sleep in life and like be more focused and not want to do 20 different things in life and always be sleep deprived but it's still learning in, in process with this we have come to the end of this episode Thank you so much, Aparna and Jackie, for sharing your experiences. It was so much fun chatting with both of you, and I hope our listeners also enjoyed this episode. To our listeners, until next time, bye-bye.